Saving money on your outdoor project? Now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hi, and welcome to episode 24 of the Baseball from Home podcast. I'm Connor McKnight, he's Joe Brand, and we're brought to you by the House of L Podcast Network. I've been covering baseball for radio stations in Chicago the last 10 years. Joe's been broadcasting minor league baseball for the last nine. He covers the White Sox and the Cubs for WGN Radio, and you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at C1 McKnight. He is at Joe underscore brand one. Today, you have a little homework listening to the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. If you haven't done all three of those things, go ahead and do it. It helps us get the podcast to the people that want to hear it and not just you, you selfish, selfish Cubs fan you. I'm kidding. Although, you've got a reason to be selfish with them bowing out of the postseason the last three years in a row, right? I mean, that's that's fair. Cubs fans should at least expect more than that from the regime that told them they could. Cubs fans can now be completely selfish and just bitch about everything if they'd like to. I, I think they're fully deserving of that fact now. Cubs fans no longer have to settle for an old style and a crappy seat in the bleachers. There is so much more to your lives now, and for that you should rejoice. We're going to get into the end of the season for the Cubs. Um, Both of us have heard Theo Epstein's hour-long press conference with reporters, and his you know it's it's what he does every year, win or lose. Uh, His State of the Union address is really something to. I don't know, kind of marvel at, I mean, that a guy has that much in his head and goes through all of it in a fairly cogent hour is impressive. Um, but first, I should tell you that none of this would be possible without David Hochberg and all of the fine folks at Team Hochberg. They helped me put a roof over my head, not because they are roof builders by any stretch of the imagination, but because they helped me secure the mortgage on my first place here in Wicker Park. They were absolutely fantastic. My realtor was awesome, and they were absolutely awesome too. Team Hochberg knew exactly the kinds of things that a first-time home buyer might not know. And believe me, I didn't when it came to the financial side of things. So I worked with Team Hochberg, and they took me through each and every step of the process. And through every step, I knew, because they wouldn't let me forget, I knew that they had my back in the home buying process. You should do the same if you're buying your first house or your 50th. You should go with Team Hochberg. Call them at 855-56-DAVID or head to the website 56david.com. Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender. NMLS 1124061. So Joe, I I think I just want to start with this. I think you and I have done a good job on the Baseball From Home podcast of kind of like being forthright about our biases When it comes to the White Sox, I am a Dylan Cease fan. And even though that boat of mine took a lot of water this year, I think it's still going to float when 2021 comes around. I, when this whole thing started, really had some, some serious fundamental doubts about Wilson Contreras as a catcher because he wasn't able to pitch frame. That has been completely erased 
because the guy ended as the third best pitch framer in Major League Baseball this year. Granted, there's a lot of space between one and two and Wilson Contreras, but still, third best is third best. I'll state another bias here, and and this one's not likely to change. In fact, I think this one's probably etched in as much stone, right? Theo Epstein's hiring by the Chicago Cubs is mission accomplished. You can, I feel, complain about not going farther in post-seasons. You can complain about some contracts. You can complain about DJ LeMahieu being a Yankee if you really want. But at the end of the day, this franchise achieved a goal that was impossible because Theo Epstein and his crew came to Chicago. That is immutable for me. And when it comes to talking about the future of Theo Epstein, which is the future of the Chicago Cubs, that fact cannot be removed from the equation for me. When it happened, everyone would always say, well, he'll never have to buy a meal in the city ever again. I think it's it's gotten to the fact now that I mean, what, one year left on his contract, a lot of things still up in the air, and no one's calling for his head. Nobody's saying, get this guy out of town because there hasn't been anything really to celebrate about since 2016. I mean, yes, maybe maybe it's it's easy to win one championship for the Cubs because you give something Cub fans haven't seen for over 100 years. But it's it's the way they obtained it just showed they were right that that's how it needed to be done. Now, what happened afterwards wasn't as sustainable as they said it would be, but the way they obtained it proved that they went about it the right way, And because it happened so quickly, too. I mean, everyone kept talking about how 2015 was a year in advance for the Cubs' change and and this whole run they were going to go on. Well, the following year, they won the World Series. So if they were on time, they won the World Series probably a year early, than they would have in the first place. I, I still think it was a recipe for success. They just they swung and missed on a couple of guys that they got overconfident with in guys like Kyle Schwarber and in guys like Addison Russell and, and guys that were very big in 2016 but just could not continue it. But that doesn't mean they're, they're wrong completely on it. it. It just means that an aspect of that player wasn't able to sustain the productivity that they expected them to. I will say, thinking about the Cubs in the future, I don't see a better situation than a Jed Hoyer who is under the Theo Epstein tree. And I I like the idea of Theo finishing his contract with his final year, kind of grooming this organization to be productive in the future only because I don't know I if he's not with the Cubs or he doesn't buy the Red Sox I don't see him going to another team I just don't see that happening why would he want to what what would give him the inclination to go and do something like that I mean hell I guess Tony La Russa was still had a job in baseball after he retired from managing but but I don't know the, the guy is he's he's a musician he likes a lot of different things other than baseball so I can see him just Drifting off into sea after 2021 with the Cubs. Yeah, so that is the news of the whole thing, right? I mean, Theo Epstein did not guarantee that he'll be back for the final year of his contract in 2021. He did state many times that the likelihood, the most likely outcome of of these meetings he's going to have with Tom Ricketts and with everybody else, all the exit interviews that'll happen, 
would would lead you to believe that he'd be back. That's the most likely outcome, so says Theo, but he wouldn't guarantee that he is. And, you know, later in the press conference, he didn't necessarily appoint Jed Hoyer as his successor, but certainly prepared a place for him. I mean, the, the guy basically read you Jed Hoyer's resume, which is a sizable one. And it kind of makes sense that you might hand things off to the next guy to reshape some philosophies, to really take the reins and go. You know, I, I don't think you want to create a culture where, you know, you're handing things over because it's your time now. That's that's really never quite good. You want it to be merit-based. But Jed has the merit here as as well. I just think, you know, when it comes to Theo, He's as likely to go somewhere else other than baseball if if he wants to, as he is go take a, I don't know, ownership stake in the Boston Red Sox. or I mean, hell, Rob Manfred is getting credit now for dragging baseball through the coronavirus and making it to a postseason. But there were a lot of points where old Rob was was taking broadside shots, and rightly so. And he'll still do so once we get to a CBA discussion. I, maybe Theo wants to be commissioner of baseball. I highly doubt it, but maybe he does. He could probably do it. I think what that means for the future of the organization, though, and, and what Theo said over and over again, is something that's been alluded to for years now. They have to do two things at once. They understand that it is their job to make a contender for 2021 as best they can, while also balancing the future competitive balance of the Chicago Cubs. They have to do two things at once. They have to rebuild while they win. They have to retool while they take a division. That's really hard to do. And the only way to do it is by trading players that have been on this team since the World Series. It's very difficult to do, and it's very unique for him. I mean, when when it was with Boston, he either wanted to blow the whole thing up or just keep rolling with the squad that, that got him a ring in either 2004 or 2007. And that's a big reason why he was exited from Boston, because you know I, management didn't want to go through the whole rebuild, and then he got exactly what he wanted to do that with the Cubs. Maybe that's why this, this Cubs, the ending of these Cubs seasons have always been the same, where it's, oh, a division or a playoff team but not quite enough to go far in the postseason. It's it's not like the Bulls with basketball hell because baseball, you can, you can still muster up a, a good team and I guess power through a 162-game season, but then when you really need the clutch hit, instead of beating up on bad teams and, and figuring out ways to win every once in a while in the regular season, you need to win at this point. You need to win the game for the with the big hit or a big strikeout at this moment in time, and the Cubs never had those guys in the postseason runs after the World Series, despite 2017. But again, I, I think Wade Davis is the biggest reason for that. So that's that's what this team has become. It's been a, a well-built roster, but one that just can't take that extra step in when they need them most in a high leverage situation. So how do you work your way around that? Well, you remove the guys that weren't able to do that, but that's a double-edged sword because when you remove those guys, who is basically just the core that we're talking about, they're the guys that produced in the regular season that get you a lot of wins and put you in a playoff spot. And it's just going to come down to 
who do they have the most faith in? And I I think this year played a big factor in whether they like a Chris Bryant more than a Javier Baez, or do they like a Kyle Schwarber the least? It's it's very tough, and it's very interesting, because whether or not you like it or not, 2020 was a crapshoot. So th- there are valid reasons for struggles, but there are also valid reasons why there shouldn't have been struggles. So it, it comes down to how much faith they had after the 2020 season. So there's three things about the offense, Theo said, that I kind of want to combine into one and, and make a philosophy out of it, right? Because I think Theo's trying to, or probably has, and then is trying to you know, put that onto the structure. He said that the Cubs were beat by fastballs in the strike zone. That means you don't have your foundation as a hitter. That's the basics. You can't grow from there. He said contact is big, Contact shows up in October, probably more so than the regular season. Still, we didn't even put our strengths on display this season and the postseason. And to that end, I think he's talking about hitting the ball for power, which is something we talked about in the last episode. And then he also said that contact is something that you have to go acquire, right? If you want to be a more contact-oriented team, you need to go get contact hitters. You, there's only so much that you can teach contact to a hitter. Now, it can be done uh, on the margins, I guess. Like, you look at Ian Happ's strikeout rate and contact rates over the last two years where he went back to the minors and then came back up. Right? I mean, it's, there's more contact there. That can be done, but you can't make a contact-oriented or contact-first kind of lineup without having contact hitters on it. Now, I don't nobody's going to advocate that they go sign like eight Fernando Vinas and, and make a team out of that. But I do think that you have to vary approach from one through eight. Well, I, I guess it'll be one through nine because I'm expecting the DH to stay one through nine and, and, and have a, a lineup that offers more than just boom or bust. And while that's all, you know, fairly academic, there's not really places from within the Cubs that you can go add contact to the lineup. That means they got to go find it. It's it's like speed. You can't teach speed. It, you're born with speed. You you come up as a baseball player for your speed or not. You can you can learn how to run the bases a little bit better. You can learn how to take better routes to balls, but number 1 you're there for your speed and when it comes down to the contact, I think overall when they were when they were drafting Bryant and Schwarber and Ian Happ. It was yeah, these were sound hitters. These were guys that could that could hit the ball, yes, but they could put a lot of authority on the ball. So somewhere that got lost with the whole elevation and and bat swing. And- well, but I think too, not to not to put it on a, a too fine a point on it, but I think too that they expected Bryant and Schwarber. And even to a certain extent, Hap and, and Rizzo and Contreras, maybe not Contreras, but Hap and Rizzo, oh no, I, I guess I would put Contreras in there, to be even higher contact hitters than than the baseline, right? I mean, if let's say the guys all had, you know, scouts all put a 260 mark on these hitters. I'm just, you know, I'm using kind of like basic, you know, approximations here. If they're like, oh, these are all 260 guys. You can't win with 260 guys. I think the Cubs are going, ah, I don't know. I think they're 270 guys. I think they're 275 guys. Like, they figured there was more contact in Kyle Schwarber, in Chris Bryant, and in Wilson Contreras than there ended up being, even at their even at their best points, with some exceptions of an MVP season or a Contreras season, right? Like, I, 
I think even they missed on just how contact-oriented they weren't. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's I, I don't mean to be polarizing in the fact that, oh, they, they drafted a bunch of guys that swing for the fences all the time. I don't think it's that. I, I, I do think they went after these guys as just sound hitters. Now, sure. yeah, Schwarber's a guy that can demolish baseballs from college to now in his, whatever, fifth year in the, in the major leagues, but something got lost along the line of, yeah, we need contact. We need to spray the ball. We need to put the ball where nobody is, and... I mean, how many times have we seen Anthony Rizzo ground into that shift on on the pole side? And it's almost like because they had that success of walloping the ball pitch after pitch after pitch, you've got major league pitchers that can make adjustments, find these holes, know how to pitch these guys, and know how to pitch to these guys when these guys are struggling. Because when Javier Baez is struggling, you don't have to throw him a strike. Oh, God, no. And, and, and that's just, that just snowballs on down. And then the next guy that comes up, all of a sudden it's two outs, right? Like, No, this is not the scenario every time. But, okay, if less than two outs, yeah, we, we just need to move the guy over. Let's, let's put the guy in scoring position. And then you get this disheartening strikeout, and all of a sudden you got two outs. And you're like, well, I really need to do something here. I need to drive in these runs because I don't have much confidence in the guy behind me. And it just that just kept happening. And that just kept growing worse and worse every year. So to that end, this is where the Theo quote about not even playing to our strengths stands out to me. About being beat by fastballs in the zone. He mentioned that a whole bunch of, he used the word creative too. Creative efforts went into trying to get guys to adjust what they were doing. And that's not just like, clamp down and throw a b-hack at it and chuck it in a right field it's it's not just that he's talking about getting guys to hit that fastball in the zone with authority he's talking about getting guys that hit for power back to hitting for power the fact that you didn't have slugging percentages that stand out at all from from any one of those core players hell expand the core players to anyone but ian happ for three quarters of the season You just don't have that power. So when you're not doing the things that you thought you were good at, the stuff that you've got 70 grades in, then the rest of it all falls apart for you. Because if you're not hitting for all that power, that's a fly out. That hurts your average. I mean, just in the same way that a home run adds to all of the offensive uh, uh, categories, the fly out to the warning track subtracts from all the same. And... And it's amazing to me that through all of the coaching changes, right? How many times have they changed hitting coach? How many times have they added hitting coaches? Hitting coach, traveling hitting coaches, wandering hitting coaches, nomad hitting instructors, right? Like hermit hitting instructors. They've all, they've had them all. <laughs> and and there's, there's no measure of coaching adjustment that seems to get these guys out of, I, and I don't know how else to say it. This is so not sabermetrics, but out of funks, man. They're in funks. Well, and the two guys that produced the most this year, you mentioned it, how Ian Happ is a guy that went down to the minor leagues last season to retool and refigure some things out. And Jason Hayward's a guy that's been struggling forever. So he he had nothing else to do but tinker along with his swing year after year after year. And then finally, somehow it all comes to fruition in the most bizarre season in the world. But it, it it's going to take something more than just a new hitting coach to change these guys. I I wonder what guys benefit from a change of scenery. I wonder what guys benefit from 
moving to a different team in a different role, whether it is playing for a, a postseason run or being the guy on the team that that is here for his offense, and you know everyone looks up to him, and he's the guy that that's first on the question of the, of the new manager's uh, opening press conference. How are you going to utilize this guy in the lineup? I think that's what's what it's going to come down to. And again, it's it's going to be interesting to see which route the Cubs go with these guys. I mean, they they could they can move Bryant, Baez, and Schwarber, or they can move none of them. Yeah, that those are two very possible things. Maybe maybe not to the extreme on moving all of them, but something is really going to something extreme might need to happen for these guys to get out of these funks that you're talking about. So the rotation's a piece of this as well. I think it's probably likely that John Lester has thrown his last game as a Chicago Cub. Uh, For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And Theo's like, I mean this honestly too. This isn't even tongue in cheek. Like the love letter that Theo wrote to John Lester in this press conference on Monday was heartfelt. Uh, it was I got a little teary eyed inside. I I mean it was good. It was really good. And and I I think John Lester is everything Theo said he was. He was a tempo setter. He was an attitude setter. He is one of the most important Cubs in franchise history. Um, He is probably, as you've said many times, the most important or second most important franchise or a free agent signing in Chicago sports history, likely after Marion Hosa, because, you know, three Stanley Cups is three Stanley Cups, and you don't get any of them without Haas. I think this, though, when, when Theo says that we've got two of the top starters in the game that any team would love to start a rotation with in Darvish and Hendricks, and that he liked the progression of Mills and Alzali, and that we have one open spot, that means they are very comfortable, or at least have been made to be comfortable with Darvish, Hendricks, Mills, and Alzali as four of the five in the rotation. Whether Quintana comes back on some sort of team-friendly deal or or even John Lester, Theo said we need to seek starting pitching and some depth. I think teams across baseball understand that. You have to add arms. I, I guess I'm fine with that rotation, but only in so much as I understand that the pandemic has racked team finances and... They're just not going to add dollars the way they used to, even though they should. They won't, and that sucks. That's why I think it might come down to a trade with one of those guys. I I, kind of started looking at what teams need a shortstop or might need a shortstop or what teams might need a third baseman, and and I know what kind of value are are you going to get from a Javier Baez that did absolutely nothing at the plate this year or a Chris Bryant that did absolutely nothing at the plate this year, but maybe you get a team that's really eager to win because they've farted out in the playoffs this season or couldn't get it done of even clinching a playoff bid, and then you cough up a a starting rotate or a, a number three or four starter that the Cubs could possibly use. Yeah, it's it might be a bit of a pipe dream. 
But that can tend to happen. And the other thing is that I think can really work in the Cubs' favor this year is because of what you just mentioned with the financial stranglehold that a lot of these teams are going to have. No one's going to want to pay anyone because of where all these payrolls are at. Teams are going to want to get creative, and they're going to want to trade. And the Cubs have a lot of assets that can help them in that. Like a guy like Bryant and a guy like Baez and a guy like Schwarber, if they come out and have a great first half of the season, you're either helping a team that is trying to make the postseason, or if the team isn't doing that well, that's some good trade bait for you right there because it's a rental player, something you can get from something. So that I can see working in the Cubs' favor. When you talk about the rotation being Darvish, Hendricks, Alzali, and Mills, it's, it is it is still a gamble because you don't know what kind of Alec Mills you're going to get. You don't know what kind of Albert Alzali you're going to get. I liked a lot of the stuff that he threw this year, but I mean that's a very small sample size and a very unique setting. So it, it is really – that is just a to-be-determined with those two guys. I mean – you you have a lot more confidence in Darvish nowadays. There's no reason to not have confidence in Kyle Hendricks. But I, I, I would imagine the Jose Quintana and uh, Tyler Chatwood eras are, are done with, unless you said it's something like a team-friendly deal. Quintana already kind of did that with the White Sox, though. Yeah. So un- unless he's willing to do it again and, and understand that, you know, a hurt season probably didn't help his cause as much. Because, again, I, I don't see many teams overpaying for players this offseason. No, I don't think so either. And that's so that's an interesting place to go here because I I have three things that I would do if, if I were trying to reshape this team for a shot in 2021 to make the playoffs, but long-term success after that. Because if I'm, if I'm playing MLB The Show here, right, I, I want to win – more baseball games for longer periods of time. Like that's just that's where my head is when it comes to constructing the franchise. But I'm no I know that I'm not interested in losing a whole bunch of games either. Theo said that a one-year deal for a player is a potentially valuable thing when the landscape is as uncertain, the financial landscape is as uncertain as Major League Baseball's is guaranteed going to be in 2021. It's an interesting way to position yourself, right? Because even though you've got guys coming off of bad years, Baez, Bryant, uh, technically Rizzo because it's a team option the year after, right? You know, it's all these guys who are on one-year contracts. Those are benefits to teams that might want to go compete in a full season of 2021 because you're not attached to money you might not be able to pay out or might not be willing to pay out. Maybe that does make your list of potential trade partners a little wider than the usual big money teams. Maybe the Rays, just for sake of argument, are interested in scooping up a guy on a one-year contract for a little less than what would, would have been market value because they know they don't have to pay the guy next season. My three moves I'd make are these, and they're not all fun. I mean, most are painful, to be quite honest with you, because that's where this Cubs season has left us. I am trying hard to trade Javi Baez this offseason and picking up uh, players and prospects and taking the best deal available. I'm, I'm not all that concerned with starting players for 2021, if you know what I mean. I'm, I'm signing a defensive shortstop to replace that defensive wizardry. It will suck to say goodbye to Javi, and the marketing department will probably come for me with pitchforks and torches, but I'm doing it, and Nico Horner can play second base. 
I'm waiting on Bryant. And as much as it kills me to say, if Chris Bryant has a solid first half, like just solid, just a solid first half, I'm trading him. Which hurts a lot. And I'm trading you Darvish. And I'm doing that because you Darvish is the one guy on this team that can bring you back. I don't know, probably. I keep on thinking of like a Jared Kelenic or something like that out in Seattle. I know they're not moving Jared Kelenic for you, Darvish, but a guy that's at that level, a top-tier prospect that obviously is ready for shots in 2021, a guy that um, is ready for at-bats or, or innings, you know, either way. I think those three guys are the best way to create a likely playoff team in 2021. And I'm expecting 16 playoff teams, so that's not saying all that much. And also creating something of a of a pipeline that doesn't exist of talent that can come up from the minors to play for you in 22. So really quick, are you more inclined to trade Darvish in the offseason or midseason 2021? Yeah, probably probably trading him now. Probably okay. trading him now. I like to I I like the idea of waiting for a deadline to drive up value for pitchers. I, I like that risk reward. Um, but given all the uncertainty that exists, I'm I'm trading him now while he's healthy. That's fair. Uh a couple things with how I think the Cubs should go about this, and it's it's all very very up in the air. But they gotta know whether there's going to be a DH next year. I, I think that's huge for not just the Cubs, for for all of baseball, but I think that's a very important piece of information to know before going into the offseason and also the playoff format um we saw a team like Cleveland who we thought had great chances in the playoffs but shows how much we know um get rid of a Mike Clevenger that ended up not being much of a downside because Clevenger's not healthy right now um but would the Cubs be a team like that next next season if it's if it's an expanded playoff format or not will they be a team that's you know kind of touching around first place but you know we we just can't do this anymore we can't do this anymore so we got to move some guys I think and Theo Epstein said on Monday nobody is untouchable which I think is more fair and more true than ever this season but you got to look at the team's that could use a third baseman, that could use a shortstop, that could use a left fielder, or any combination of those three. And you just shop. Yeah. You just you say, hey, I, I, know you need a, I know you need a shortstop, but what are you willing to give for Baez? Or would you be willing to take on a Kyle Schwarber with it? Or do you really pull out the big gun then and say a you Darvish and, and add him to the package so that you can get something in return? I think they can move a Javier Baez to a team that could really use him. You know what team kind of intrigues me is the Dodgers. The Dodgers, not so much for Baez, but still, Justin Turner's a free agent this offseason. Kike Hernandez is a free agent this offseason. It's a third baseman and a second baseman. You got Corey Seager, Corey Seager who's a free agent next offseason. Do you maybe get a Baez or a Bryant or maybe even both and say – you know, this is kind of a tryout for who we want to sign or who, who we have more faith in moving forward. Now, that's that's very extreme, but I, I, I could see that situation playing out, whether the Dodgers win or not. Um, I, another weird team that entices me, and because they are weird, are the Arizona Diamondbacks. Huh. Because they always just go after guys that you would never assume to. Zach Greinke, uh 
Cole Calhoun, Madison Bumgarner, but Eduardo Escobar is a free agent next season. So why not just pick up a Chris Bryant and sell a bunch of tickets because there's a ton of Cub fans down in Arizona? Sure. Like, I, I could see them doing something weird like that. Oakland, Marcus Simeon's a free agent in the offseason. You know, that's a team that doesn't want to spend a lot of money. I know Simeon probably lost a little bit of his value this year, but would they be willing to take a flyer on Javi Baez for a year, which is more than a flyer because it's it's just one year. It's it's kind of a no-lose situation. So I don't know. I just – there are a lot of options out there, so I think the best-case scenario for the Cubs is to just put those guys available and just shop, just shop around. Yeah. We're going to enter, like, a, a, a massive rumor season. I mean, you thought the will the, – are the Cubs trading Chris Bryant rumors last year <laughs> were bad. This is going to be of epic proportions. I mean, it's it's almost going to be hard, I would imagine, to keep up with which player is in which rumor with which team again. Right. What, you know, One thing I wouldn't do – or what one thing I, I wouldn't make my priority is combining good with bad. You know, like um, – Dealing Darvish, I'll just use extreme examples here. Dealing Darvish and Baez in a deal together to negate some of Baez's downside and one year left kind of thing, or or same with Bryant. I I I don't like that kind of offloading because I think it signals. Uh, first of all, I think it looks like all you're trying to do is dump money and you don't care what you get back in return. And I don't think that the Cubs management, well, ownership, I should say, are, they don't have that kind of goodwill to spend. Hmm. But I also don't like it from a philosophical standpoint because I, I like having, I like being able to do more in the marketplace than just limit myself to that one deal, if that makes any sense. You know, I, I don't want to combine the assets into something that uh, then becomes half of one and, and less than the other. It'd be like trading in a car. Like you go to the dealership, hey, I'm looking to get this. Okay, what are you looking to do? Well, trade in, you know, and not not say what you have yet, and then you know, kind of shop around and then be like, all right, so you want to do this? You want to make this deal? And like, yeah, but could we chop off a, an extra three grand off the price? And like, well, I don't know, that's a lot. Well, my trade in's a Cadillac. Whoa, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, now now let's really talk. Yeah, I, I get it. I wouldn't want to to say, hey, I've got Darvish and Baez for you. What are you giving me for that? I would again shop around with a Bryant, Baez, and or Schwarber, and then if the negotiations are not going the Cubs' way, then say, what are you going to do if I if I throw in Darvish in, into the mix? Yeah. A sweetener. A sweetener is what you want. Well, that's it's a hell of a sweetener. That's a very expensive pack of equal that you're dumping into your coffee. You know, I mean, that's I, I just feel like there's there's value in in other places and the Cubs need. You know, I don't think their farm system is as terrible as as a lot of people have written up to to be. I, I don't think it's very good, um, but you you know, you need a lot of spins at the wheel in order to make a good ball club. And that's a good point. I was just going to say, I think it's more quality than quantity in the Cubs system. I mean, I, I did like the little bit we saw of Braylon Marquez, um, who's the, the center fielder that they have that was in South Bend this year. It's a Cole Roterer. Is he the yeah. center fielder? I should know this. I saw him. Brennan Davis? Thank you, yeah. Brennan Davis. Brennan Davis, thank you. Saw, saw him play last summer. Don't worry. I, I know what I'm talking last about. Last summer, Joe, last summer was like 20 years ago, all right? Don't worry about it. That's true. That's true. 
I was honestly thinking about it like, oh, it was this past summer. It's like, no, this past summer just didn't happen. It was last summer. It's been 92 years. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, I, I see it as quality more than quantity, but who's to say what that quality really is? But, but that's the reason why a, a plentiful Cubs farm system was so beneficial in the past was because, well, you got, you got depth and you got – trade value so that's that's how you build up your team and I think as we kind of circle around and go back to you know looking at any of Theo's and Jed's blemishes rather than what they did when they came here and put together a World Series team yeah you can look at some of the trades and you know shout at the sky and and say how this really was more of a speed bump to the organization's future than anything else but but that's what the depth gets you. It, it gives you the flexibility, the luxury to gamble on those moves and, and make those kind of moves. So sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, and the other thing is, how you were talking about it earlier, Theo Epstein is so candid. He is always willing to hold himself accountable no matter what happens. But here's the thing. The past couple of years, how many times have we heard him say, well, you know, we didn't do our best offensively this season. Yeah. We're, we we can't rely on these guys keep moving forward because that's just not a recipe for success. It's like, you know, okay, well, you're still doing it, but but okay, okay. And he's just he's been very upfront with his misfortunes, but the dude won a World Series in Chicago. No one else has been able to say that. That's that's kind of the biggest thing I took from Theo's press conference is just, I mean, obviously how much it sounded like the last three press conferences at the end of the year and that means something, right? I mean, the guy has said, because he's Theo Epstein and he's absolutely brilliant, he's said the right things always. But has he done the right things? You know, have have the Cubs done the right... Have they, have they done as much as other teams have to revamp their hitting infrastructure in light of a brand new era of baseball being played from the mound, right? I mean, we're seeing shit that nobody's ever thrown before. Breaking balls that... that destroy worlds much less batters and now you have to go catch up with it you need to have an organizational infrastructure that works to combat the efforts of the advanced pitching that exists here and more than that even if you have constructed that now you have to convince hitters to adjust to that new school of thought and and apparently that's been really difficult to, to marry together within the Cubs organization. Pitch lab has worked great, but but hitting lab apparently either either doesn't exist or or is filled with insurrection when they get together to go hang out in hit lab. So, so I guess that's just the biggest thing with, with any team moving forward. Yeah, make sure make sure you draft sound hitters, but make sure these guys can adjust if they need to adjust because what three, four hitting coaches in in four years, or was it three and three? Either way, it's the adjustments were not made, or maybe they were done for a little bit, but they weren't consistent and they weren't sustainable, and that's why the Cubs are still in the rut that they've been in for the past couple of years. I think you can expect a big name off the roster and a trade this off season. I think you can expect plenty of rumors. I think too. You know, as much as I, I advocate for big change here, uh, I don't think it's going to be as big as, as many would hope. I think they'll be hanging on to a lot of these guys up until the deadline to try and recoup some value, and I understand some sense in that. It's been a blast doing uh, the Baseball From Home podcast from the Cubs side. 
we'll have more pods as the off-season warrants. We're getting our, you know, our plan together, getting our ducks in a row. Does anyone have ducks in something other than a row? Like, does anyone have just an assortment of ducks or a, always the ducks are in a row, right? I don't, I don't know why it's, it's upon you to put the ducks in the row. Don't they just get in a row on their own? Don't they follow the mother? Like, why? I've never seen, oh, man, all my ducks are, are all over the place. i got to put them in a single-file line. That's a good point. This is what, this is what ducks do. They, they get into rows. So anyone saying, I've got to get my ducks in a row, is like, oh, that's nothing. That's eyewash. They're already in a row. It's like, oh, i, I got to get my, my birds to fly in a V. It's like, no, they do that on their own. They, it's, they it's, do that. That's a, that's a feature, not a bug. They're good. It's hereditary. We'll have more podcasts as the offseason goes on. It, they won't all be about foul. Um, but we are going to do one more White Sox. If you're the White Sox fan who is listening to this Cubs version of the podcast and are looking for yours, uh, you will get it. Once Rick Hahn does his State of the Union address, we will have a podcast addressing the future of the White Sox, which looks a lot more rosy right now than the future of the Cubs. But there's a lot of offseason to go, and, you know, it's still 2020, so anything could happen. He's Joe. I'm Connor. This is Baseball from Home. Hi, and welcome to episode 23. Shit, is it 23? Now I forgot. It's 24. It's 24. It's the first time I know the number. It's 24. <laughs> We should think about leaving that in. Or maybe put it at the end. I don't know. Here we go. Three, two, and one. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.